Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Because I was watching the game, and, and to me, this is just my opinion, and Tom is the greatest. I mean, mm. the Super Bowl rings show it and talk about it and whatever. It didn't look like he wanted to be out there. Mm. I mean, maybe it was the pressure, that, and he was getting hit, and, the, you know, whatever was going on. And I remember I, I, at one point I looked down there, I was telling, I don't know if I told Jason or Brian, but I'm like, like there's no way he's enjoying this. Mm. No way. Maybe, uh, you know, but I, I, so I was up there like – just I was enjoying being up there watching the game, yeah. but um, it just didn't look fun to him. Spoken like a guy who knows a thing or two about not being happy his last year or two in the NFL, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. His read on Tom Brady, which I hey, you know, you love and I love the close ups of quarterbacks during games. I think you can glean a lot from body language. Yeah facial expression, how players interact with teammates, officials, coaches, whoever. So I got no reason to doubt what Ben Roethlisberger saw in his assessment that it just looked like Tom Brady didn't want to be out there. Yeah. Well, we, we, I think we've all toyed around with that idea, right? I think most of football thinks Tom Brady regrets that he's playing right now. I, I, I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter. No matter who I talk to when the subject comes up, it, it that that is the one of the first things Brady probably regrets playing this year. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like the same. You know, he didn't play good in that game. I mean, it was that was average football by the goat. Maybe really below average, honestly. You know, and and yeah, you know, he looked like a guy that was at a wedding on a Friday night, and then he was disheveled a little bit by the pressure and people around him, and he couldn't make throws or see the field clearly i mean come on that that's a that should be a slam dunk touchdown completion right there you know there's 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 too many plays like this throughout the game you know and and again not you know not to say he's going to be perfect all the time but you know there's plays and throws that you know right there just check it down right away but the protection was good why didn't we not throw the ball down the field here what what is there's two receivers godwin and and the other guys uh, are open right there let it happen Like, like but Brady got into one of these games where people got around him, and this is one of his flaws we've seen through the end of his career here where gets hit a few times early or feels a little pressure and just starts to say, I'm never going to do anything. I'm never going to throw the ball. It's just going to check it down, check it down, check it down. So I, I don't totally disagree with what Ben Roethlisberger said there. From the Tom versus Time documentary, if you want to compete against me, you have to sacrifice your life because I'm sacrificing mine that was his mindset not that long ago the mindset has changed mike we mentioned oh. the other day that he was talking about how football season is compared in his mind to military deployment basically you're checked out of life for four months he got dragged in some circles for that because it's a far cry from military deployment when you're getting paid yeah many millions of dollars right. and you're living a charmed life but the mindset to be the way he's always been he's approached it like a coach. 
player and a coach. Yeah. Where he puts as much time and effort in as a Sean Payton, as a Bill Belichick. He learned by watching Belichick all those years and working with Belichick. The commitment it takes, not just to have your body right, to have your mind right, to be ready to go, to be able to stay a step ahead of superior talent on defense, to get the most out of a body that is not as physically gifted as other quarterback bodies may be. So that's that's the reality. He's reached a point where, and this may just be simple biology, he's 45. He's yeah. evolving. He's changing. He's aging. He doesn't care as much as he used to, but he chose to sign on for one more tour of duty when he isn't able to muster the mental will that he used to be able to harness for football season. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. And then I think when you couple the fact that, you know, he, for lack of a better way to say it, might be losing his family and be, you know, headed towards a divorce and, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah, uh, I think you add that into it. That puts him less into what you're talking about and more into the life stuff, all of that. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird year. You know, as far as it, it pertains to him, the play's not been stellar. You know, they don't look the same on offense. He does not look like he's enjoying it. He does look old this year, no matter how many times he sucks in his cheeks or dyes his hair and tries to look like Zoolander. He still he looks old, and uh, that's that's you know. And then Mike, I keep coming back to this too. Why did Mr. Kraft get married on a Friday during the football season? He couldn't like wait till the season was over. I, I'm, I'm like still. Like that, my wife has brought that up a few times, and I'm like, that's just weird. Like, what? Why? Like, you know, I mean, you couldn't wait till, you know, the end of January or February to get married. Like, it had to happen on a Friday during the season in week six. I just found that weird too. But it didn't have any impact on his team. They still won. Yeah, yeah, right. I I, wasn't there. Yeah, right, right. Which I think says a lot too. I don't know. I know exactly. Their team went to Cleveland and. Handled business and kicked that ass. Where Tom was up there, you know, sipping my ties and and having appetizers and and all that. And yeah, it it looked like it. I, I'll say this though, we had a full list of the current and former Patriots who were there on Friday night. And right. There were multiple current Patriots there. Right, McCourty. Right. I I guarantee you, they were back in the building on Saturday morning for anything that was happening before they went to Cleveland. There was no, we'll just meet you in Ohio. No way. Like there was with Tom Brady. I'll just see you in Pittsburgh. Exactly right. I would think Mr. Kraft probably let them go on his plane and flew them back there that night. I would think. I mean, that's the way Mr. Kraft rolls. He's awesome like that. But you're right. I I knew there was one or two guys there. I didn't know how many exactly. But, yeah, they certainly weren't excused for, we'll see you in Cleveland you know, Saturday afternoon, uh, I, I, I would be that that doesn't go down in New England. And the quarterback who started on Sunday, Bailey Zappi, he was not among the current Patriots <laughs> who decided to check out for the night. And then as Brady did the next morning. So the Buccaneers are three and three. And we don't know which way it's going to go for them. They got a lot of football in front of them. It could break toward their favor. They could figure it out. The effort to figure it out, however, apparently is not going to include seeking advice from the special advisor to the general manager. Bruce Arians will apparently remain the special advisor to the general manager, not the special advisor to the head coach. Here's Todd Bowles from yesterday talking about whether or not he's inclined to seek assistance from Bruce Arians. Well, this is my team, not Bruce's team, but we talk all the time, but you don't jumpstart by asking a former coach what to do. We have our own things to deal with and we understand that we've been with Bruce long enough to know what he wants, but they've been with me long enough to know what I want. So we're working towards that and we'll get through it. We want to score. I want big plays too, but you don't chase them just to chase them. There are parts within the game in which you have to take them and hope they have come through and calculatedly come through. Obviously, we have different players than we had last year, and we got to approach things a little differently and find out what works best for us this year, not last year and two years ago. Lineup's completely different. Gronk's gone. AB's gone. Marpet's gone. Ryan's down. We got different people to adjust to different things, so you can't really compare and say we're going to do what we did last year, this year, when the guys are different. You know, it's funny when you hear him say former coach. Well, it's not like you're calling up John Gruden. 
the guy's still in the building. That's what makes this arrangement even more awkward. It's great if everything's working well, but when things aren't working well and you still have access to Bruce Arians, he's still on the payroll. He's still got an office. He's still around. And your attitude is, I'm not going to seek out his input or advice because he's the former coach and this is my team. It, it just it highlights, Chris, how things like this typically don't work. That if the coach is gone, he needs to be gone. The coach is gone, but he's still there. But I'm not going to rely on him because, you know, it undermines the current coach. That's really what's going on here. Yeah. You don't want the players to be confused about who's coaching the team. And that was one of my concerns from the get-go. Yeah, I know it was, Mike. act like he still runs the place. Right. And now we're asking Todd Bowles if he's going to let Bruce Arians kind of run the place again. Yeah, and it's the second time in six weeks we're talking about Bruce Arians as one of the, like, the main subjects of the Bucks, right? Just like we were in the Saints game and him on the sidelines there. I know that I'm with you. And I know you've said that from the get go and you're right. I mean, there's no question about it. And I find it like a little disrespectful to even ask Todd Bowles that type of stuff. And to a degree, I mean, it's disrespectful. It is, but he's there. I know that's the problem. They've created the scenario where he's there. If he's gone, if he was not still with the team, that question doesn't get asked. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree with you there. And, 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 you know, Bruce, I'm sure has given his two cents about, you know, overall the offense, but to say like, Hey, Hey Todd, you think you'll let Bruce, you know, draw up some plays this week? I mean, I don't think Bruce is, you know, he's not watching the film of their team on a day by day basis, practice, all that, who they're playing. You know, he sounds like he's evaluating, the guys on their team as players and helping out Jason Light that way and, you know, maybe scouting some other teams and guys that might be free agents and, you know, when he's on the field and pregame, checking them out. Well, it, it, it's loose that way. But to think that, oh, yeah, he's going to get back involved in, like, the third down package on a, on a Thursday evening and start game planning, yeah, it's a little disrespectful to Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. But you're right, the circumstances themselves just – lead you to ask that question and that's where it is weird and i and and to your point mike you got me thinking now i you, i don't i can't remember one that kind of shook out like this that was ever successful i'm trying to think if there's anything there that i can remember but you're you're right this is a this is uh usually a recipe for not good not good things to happen yeah i i just feel like the effort to hold the band together for one last run in football the last run's already happened. Yeah, if you're, right. If you're, right. you know, if you're inclined, like Brett Favre, 2010, they went down to Mississippi and basically hogtied him and put him on the plane and brought him back to Minnesota for one last year. Yeah, like, yeah, the, the 2009 should have been it. Right. The one last year ended up being a mistake, and I feel like this one last year for Tom Brady with Bruce Arians out because Arians would have been the coach. If Tom Brady hadn't come back, folks, he wasn't going to step up. I'm sorry. I know. I know. He he was going to be the coach. It was March. He was going to be. It was late March. He was going to be the coach of the team until Tom Brady came back, period. Uh, So this idea to do whatever we have to do, bend over backwards to give Tom whatever he wants, let him take off for 11 days in camp, let him take off on a Friday night and skip work on Saturday, whatever Tom wants, to put asses in the seats. It's another example of where business – supersedes integrity of the game, winning as many games as possible. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. But the, the, the stadium's going to be sold out more often than not if we have Tom Brady on the team. And they, they kind of sold their souls a little bit yeah. to keep Tom Brady around. And they've created this mess. And, and hey, they could still win the Super Bowl again. They're 3-3. Three and three. Maybe Tom Brady decides, screw it. I, I'm going to accept 11 weeks of military deployment and go all in. And I suspect they're going to kick the crap out of the Panthers this weekend. I think this is a bad... This is a bad time to be playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Tom Brady, if he's ever going to react, Chris, and internalize the criticism that he's absorbed this week for what happened over the weekend, it's going to be now. And he's going to come out if he's capable. This is going to be a great litmus test. Is he capable? Because he's never going to be more motivated than he will be this weekend to erase the memory of what happened in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. I mean, this is, we'll see. This, this is definitely a game where, you know, how they play, I think will, you know, give us a feeling of what to look forward to the rest of the year. If it's like, man, you know, they won by seven or ten, and it kind of it's like I think it's official. Like, no, this is just who they are this year. They're just not a great team, and I don't know if it's going to happen. 
And I'm getting close to that. And not to say that they can't get to the playoffs, but I just don't look at it and go, you know, before the year, you're thinking, hey, this is a team that's in the running for the number one seed, number two seed, that type of football team. As of right now, you know, I look at them and just go, yeah, they might win the division because the division's not all that great, but they'll be the number four seed. They'll be the worst of the division winners. Or they're certainly not going to be a team we look at to go, oh, wow, watch out for the Bucks. Hey. So this will be a big week this week. They won the Super Bowl as the four seed. So, But they got hot at the end no. of the year. And yeah, wait, 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 wait. No. Wait, what year did they? They were not the four seed. They were a wild card because the, the Saints won the division. Yeah, you're right. Right. You're right. So, absolutely right. They, they were the five seed. Right. They won the Super Bowl as the five seed, so my argument's even stronger. My mistake makes my argument stronger. They were the five seed, not the four seed. They had to go to Washington and play the four seed. They were right. on the road the whole way. So they, they were seven and five after 12 games that year. So they can still. But but th- this is the ultimate, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak test. Because mm. the spirit is going to be as willing as it's ever going to be this weekend against the Panthers after what happened in Pittsburgh. We'll see if they can physically do it, if Tom can physically do it against a still pretty good Panthers defense. All right. From one underachieving NFC team led by an all-time great quarterback to another, the Packers at 3-3 three and three and searching for answers. During training camp, Aaron Rodgers said the offense had a lot to learn. He was asked yesterday how far they've come since then and if they're where he expected them to be. Yeah, I mean, I love this. Uh, this is a lot of fun for me. I miss being out there at practice today because I love practicing, but... Yeah, man, I love it. I live for this. I wake up in the morning thinking about this. I go to bed at night dreaming about what plays I can make up and piss Matt off. And, uh, <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, you know, this is uh, this has been my love since I was five years old and uh, still love uh, waking up every day knowing I'm coming into 1265. I mean, similar to maybe what I expected. Um, there's been growing pains. There's been uh, uh, some some mental errors at times which you expect with a younger group. Um, but there's been uh, you know, just too many plays where it's just one guy uh, maybe doing the, doing the wrong thing or, or not executing their responsibility. So we'll clean that up. We'll be fine. Um, there's enough leadership on the offense to get those things cleaned up, and um, I'm confident we'll uh, get some of those things fixed. The deep state is now messing with our soundboard. <laughs> I saw a little bit about... Aaron Rodgers on whether he's still happy before he got around to where the offense is. And the big story of the week has been they need to simplify. And and Matt LaFleur says, I don't know what that means. And Aaron Rodgers tried to explain it on Pat McAfee's show on Tuesday. It it, it just all doesn't make sense. There's tension there. I think there's some regret from Aaron Rodgers. Now he's getting handsomely paid this year. He got a major contract to stick around. But I, I can't imagine Rodgers or Brady being back next year not based on what we've seen so far there could be enough that happens the rest of the way yeah to make them say one last ride but gentlemen and I'm speaking to the two of you because I know you watch every day Tom and Aaron Rodgers remember how you feel now before you sign up for one more ride next year yeah and if you feel now if you remember that feeling, there's no way you're going to say, let's do it one more time. Yeah. I, well, listen, I'm at the point where Brady's definitely done. It's see you later. This will be it. I mean, that that's for sure. Rodgers, I went into the year gun. We'll get two, three more years of Roger, Rodgers. But, Mike, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. And uh, I, 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 I'm with you in the fact that I'm, I don't know. It just – Back to the off season and all the things you talked about. Hey, there's young receivers and these new like we're not. You're getting fifty million dollars a year and you're not there for what nine OTA sessions? Whoa, it's nine days. Take the private plane, get there. Whoa, eleven days, whatever. It's something like that. And yeah, it even again like you talked about with Brady, the close ups on the camera and the faces and all of that. And I don't know. I think it's fair to question how invested or if he's all in right now. It doesn't look like it to me a little bit, you know. I know, listen, my dad, I talk football with him all the time. He thinks this is it for Rodgers. Not that my dad's a know-it-all, but he's been around football for a while and been in those shoes. So I, when he says stuff like that, I, I listen. And so I, I don't think your thought's crazy there. And, and again, too, just the stuff he says after the game, simplify? What? It's the most simple, boring offense in football. 
It's 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 horrible. I I don't know what he wants. It's like where that's where Matt Lafleur I think you know pushed back a little bit. Simple. I don't even know what that means. What did we we motioned two times in the first three series? I mean the offense is as dink and dunk as it gets, but it's like he wants it done his way. And that to me is where you start to go, oh, well, you know, that's where it just, it doesn't work. When it starts to go, oh, I only want it my way. I want to, everybody stationary so I can audible to the correct three-yard pass. That's kind of what it seems like he wants. I got it. Oh, my quarterback rating, completion percentage are good. I got us all this stuff. Yeah, that's great. But I don't, it's not going to win games. not going to get them to the Super Bowl like we've been saying for the last few weeks. And um, yeah, I think the spotlight's on Rodgers too now. Almost, almost to the same effect of Brady to see where he's at and how much he really wants this. Here's the caveat that I have for Rodgers, yeah. and this may be why he keeps talking about what they need to get need to do to get better on offense. I think that if they show sufficient improvement, if the young receivers give him reason to believe that next year is going to be potential breakout year between Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, that could be enough to lure him back. But he's got to see enough the next 11 games to make him think there will be a step up without me being involved, of course, in the offseason program. They're going to they're gonna have to handle that part of it without me there. But, but when I show up, they're going to be ready to make that leap, and they're going to do enough between now and the end of the season to convince me that it's worth coming back, that by next year one of these two guys is going to become my Devontae Adams. Because Alan Lazard, I doubt, will be back. Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb. Yeah, who cares? OBJ's still floating around out there as a possibility, but he's only going to sign a one-year deal with somebody. They could sign him in March to try to bring Aaron Rodgers back. And I wouldn't go there if I'm OBJ. I I just think there is a fatigue organizationally, unspoken, but we've seen evidence of it, like the Matt LaFleur big smile. I don't know what that means. I think they're getting to the point where they've had enough. Yeah. If you're playing an MVP level, we'll deal with it. Once that stops – We've had enough. I, I, I don't disagree with your thought there. I don't. It's a lot. It's always something. It is. And I, I can understand coaches, GMs, presidents of the organization all being a little exhausted by it. You know? And then to your point, yeah. I mean, again, I don't know. Do we have available the, 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 the throw chart from Rodgers you know, that, that I know we showed on my podcast the other day a little bit? But, like, I mean, simplify, Mike. I mean, wait, wait till you see this. I mean, it's it, – like first off, there's throws behind the line of scrimmage, right? I mean, it's 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 the simple as it gets. I don't I don't know what they want. You know what does he want? I don't, it's a slant route. It's a flat route. It's another flat route. It's another flat route. Everything is look at the running back out of the backfield and let me see if I could throw it two yards, or let me look at the receiver who's got a little leverage on the nickelback who's running into the flat and let me throw it to him for two yards. I'm just not going to get it done. Again, we're in the day and the day and age here where the NFL is set up for the quarterback to take over and make explosive plays, and you get pass interference, you get roughing the passer, whatever. It's it's that way. It, 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 the, the turnover thing, in, in a lot of ways, is, to me, is a little overblown this day and age. It is. It just doesn't matter as much. Down seventeen means nothing anymore in the league. You know, five interceptions week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers with Joe Burrow. Didn't matter. He made enough plays. They still should have won the game. It's, it's just, it's not 1998 anymore where you have to have a quarterback rating of 105 and you got to throw it, you know, at 78% to win a football game. It's just, it's a different league now. And, and this dink and dunk fashion of football and conservative nature, it just doesn't allow them to, to win games or, or, you know, be, be explosive on that side of the ball. We need to take a break, but as you were saying that, yeah. I keep thinking of your point. We discussed this the other day. The idea that Rogers claimed to being the GOAT yeah. driven by these eye-popping ratios of right. touchdown to interception, and and maybe he's thinking a little bit too much about preserving that. I think so. Not undermining that, because that's his only argument. Right. It's not championship-driven. Uh, it's not all-time numbers-driven. Because he sent, he spent three years on the bench. Yeah. His all-time numbers aren't going to be what Tom Brady's are, but it's that ratio that he doesn't want. Quarterback to screw rating, up. touchdown to interception yeah. ratio, exactly. All, right. all that stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah, that's his strongest argument for saying I'm the best ever because I I have by far the best numbers in these two categories that really don't matter. That and he doesn't want 
it matters because he doesn't want to mess up those two categories by doing the things that you're saying. Throw the ball down the field. Take chances. Who cares if you throw a 40-yard interception? It's a punt. One down early. Who cares? All right, let's take a break. We'll take a look at week seven grab bag style when this Thursday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Talk about the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. What is the moment that pops to your mind generally? That we lost. I felt like that year we had the best team in football, but um, we ended up being the second best because we didn't get it done in the how often or not often have you watched it? Um, I hadn't watched it for a while until these last two days. Um, but, yeah, I don't like watching it. But this week it wasn't about that. I had to watch it for schematic reasons and um, what our history is together. First meeting of the Chiefs and 49ers since Super Bowl 54. The all-time series is tied at 7. Chiefs are 4-2. and two, 49ers are 3-3. Three and three. Fill in the blank for me, Chris. The 49ers can avenge. Their Super Bowl 54 loss to the Chiefs on Sunday if they what? Have a healthy front four. I think that's where I go. You know, and I don't really know the status of that as far as where we're at with Armstead and Javon Kinlaw and Nick Bosa. I know there's a possibility, but I just look at it and go, man, it's, it's going to be tough to avenge anything if you don't at least have two of the three guys. Uh, you know, Again, the Kansas City can protect, and we know he's a magic man back there. So that, that's tough sledding without that group, and especially their defense and their team is built on the fact that their defensive line can take over a game, and, and they don't have to blitz to get to the quarterback and all that. So that's been a big issue for them here this year, just dealing with injuries in general. Javon Kinlaw is on injured reserve, so he won't be back for this. When Nick Bosa was limited in practice on Wednesday, he said that he's optimistic he'll be able to go. I think Bosa's the key, but even with Bosa, a healthy Patrick Mahomes can – can run rings around Nick Bosa or if it's just else. one guy, it's hard. Right, right. I'm looking at uh, they don't have their practice report posted for some reason on their website from yesterday. But Eric Armstead, another key, he's missed some time. Yeah, um, I don't. They can't avenge. This is an easy one. They can't avenge their Super Bowl loss because it's not a Super Bowl. It doesn't <laughs> matter. This is so less important in comparison to the last time they played. The only similarity is it's the uniforms. And there's a lot of personnel and coaches that are similar, but it's not nearly the same stakes. It's just another game. And it's an important game for the 49ers because lose two in a row, three and four, you're starting to slip toward the number of losses that may disqualify you from having a serious shot at being a playoff team. And the Chiefs, after losing to the Bills, they need to get it together and start winning games. This is a good game this weekend no doubt because it is impactful as we start to figure out who's good who's not good where the separation may be giants have begun to separate at five and one they're taking on the two and four jaguars in jacksonville buy or sell the giants should feel disrespected by being three-point underdogs at jacksonville well i'll buy that but with a caveat like the giants should feel disrespected but i don't think like the normal fan should look at it and go oh that's disrespectful you know, the Giants, yeah, I would use that as fuel in my locker room. Wait, we're five and one. We're going against Jacksonville is two and four and what? We're underdogs? Yeah, but you know, for guys like us and we sit here, I, I you know, I think if we if we compared rosters and started to swap players, who would you take this guy or that guy, we'd end up taking more Jaguars than Giants. So that's where I think it's a little bit, you know, you know, dicey as far as that's concerned. This would be a tough test for the Giants going down there in Jacksonville. And they're, of course, desperate here at 2-4. and four. So it's a huge game for them. And like we've talked about, I mean, they got talent. There's no doubt about that. There's nobody that's going to outclass Jacksonville and just obliterate them and smash them into the ground. It is amazing to see how their season has turned ever yeah. since they were up 14 nothing at Philadelphia when they were 2-1 and one and looking like 
they were really going to take this thing and run with it. They've now lost three in a row. They were embarrassed by the Texans. Uh, they're, they're capable of beating the Giants. And I think with the Giants, they're just one of those teams. They're like the Vikings. Like, how in the hell did you get to 5-1, and one, and how in the hell are you ever going to sustain it? But with Brian Dayball as the coach, they, they just find a way. At some point, that, that intangible becomes tangible. They find a way. They hold it together. They, they don't wither in the fourth quarter. That's right. That's when they, they make their magic. Yeah. And that becomes a habit. Yep. Uh, and uh, I, I am surprised. I'm surprised they're underdogs as well. Three, two, and one Colts at the three and two Titans are already facing off for the second time this season. On a scale of one to ten, what's your confidence level that Matt Ryan is back after his impressive performance in Week Six in that win over Jackson? Oh, I'm going to give it a seven. Okay, I mean, I don't like back like as far as back to what he looked like maybe last year, the year before that, any of that. Like, no, he's not that anymore. His, his, he does not have a big arm. It's kind of weak. You know, he moves okay. He doesn't move as well as he used to, right? I mean, so, uh, but he's still playing damn good football. There's no doubt about that. You know, last week, that that was gutsy performance. They protected a little bit better, but still, he is just the ultimate hang in the pocket. Look, oh, hey, my knee almost got ripped off. So what? Touchdown pass. I mean, he's the, he's the ultimate move around in the pocket and take a hit to get a six-yard completion. They can't run the ball. So last week, Frank Reich said, screw it. I'm not even going to pretend to run it. We're just going to throw it every damn play. And he got it done. So I give him a lot of credit there. I mean, they are where they are right now, 3-2-1. and one. The big reason is Matt Ryan. His toughness and his ability just to keep them in some, t- in some good situations on the offensive side of the ball has you know, made them survive a storm of bad play by kind of the rest of their football team there for a while. Well, and, you know, when you consider the fact they haven't had Jonathan Taylor the last two games, they went into that game two weeks ago tonight against Denver, 1-2-1. and one. Yeah. And they've won two in a row without Taylor, and they haven't had Naheem Hines. And it, it, Matt Ryan, yeah, I, he's not going to be the guy that he was. Right, right. And it's, it's always going to feel like it's on the verge of falling apart. And so many of the throws that I see from Matt Ryan, I made this point on Twitter during the Broncos game, they remind me of what John Madden used to call the last shot out of a Roman candle, where it's just, it just kind of pops yeah. up, flutters down, and somebody catches it. Yeah, I know. But, it's, but it doesn't look yes. good, right. but it's <laughs> right. effective. Right. And I think that's the Colts. That should be their T-shirt slogan this year. Doesn't look good, but it's effective. <laughs> yeah, All right, we'll take a break. When we return, will Russell Wilson be playing this weekend against the Jets despite a hamstring injury? We'll discuss that when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. I'm feeling better. Feeling better every day, uh, you know, day by day. Obviously, it happens Monday night, but um, it's getting, it's, it's, I, I heal quick. I don't know if it's Wolverine blood or what, but uh, <laughs> uh, getting better. I'm hoping so. I'm doing everything I can to get ready to roll, so that's always my mentality. Russ, you've never held yourself out of a game. The, the three games you missed last year, you couldn't play because of that injury. Do you think if it comes to Sunday and you're iffy, you'd, you'd be able to make that call of holding yourself back? Yeah, if I can go, I'll go. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm going to try to do everything I can to be ready. Who makes the decision on Russ, whether he plays or not? That would be me. Happy Russ is back after the Monday night loss to the Chargers. Very positive, glass half full, even though the Broncos are two and four. And look, Wilson said yesterday he's had hamstring issues before. I've had hamstring issues. You, you, you just can't ignore them. They require time and rest to heal. And I don't know, maybe there's some funky treatment you can do that will accelerate the process. I don't think Wolverine blood is going to going to cut it. I don't think you can will your way to having your hamstring not grab. That's what happens. If the hamstring isn't healed, if that muscle is torn, he had an MRI yeah. on the hamstring, which tells me there are tears in the muscle. You can only go so fast. And if you try to accelerate beyond the limit, of that injury, you feel it grab again, and you're done. And I didn't see anything. Look, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, with you either, too, Mike. I know. I was going to bring that up. I'm not suggesting. Yeah. I'm not suggesting he's faking it. But we never saw but, anything. 
when somebody's got a hamstring injury, you at least see hand grab leg at some point. It's the natural human reaction to a hamstring injury. I have pain in an area, and my hand is going to involuntarily grab it, and I'm going to limp a little bit, and it's going to look like something's not right. The hamstring injury is not something that you just shake off. No, it's not. Sorry, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I'm t- no. I've tr- stopped myself yeah. because I don't want to be saying he's like Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, my arm, it's broken. But, I mean, we've had two straight games now where he's played like shit, and on the back end we hear about some injury. I, and I'm sorry, at some point I'm going to say it's not real. Yeah, the, I'm not saying it yet, Yeah, but at some point I'm going to say it's not real. But you're allowed, like, the, the whole league's rolling their eyes. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're hurt. Okay, sure, sure. You didn't play good? Oh, but you, you, you looked like you looked like shit again last night? Oh, yeah, there's something hurt. That's right. Okay, okay. Uh, so It took us an hour and a half today yeah, to cross that Yeah, yeah, that but we crossed that boom, bridge. Boom. Right, boom. <laughs> Russell, Russell helped me over there. So. I I think it's fair to question it. And it's a guy that's always very worried about his public persona and all of that. And, uh, yeah, I I, I mean, first thing I just think of is, like, you're going to need to run this week, big boy. You got to run. The Jets are coming. Yeah. So yeah, here comes Quinnen. Exactly. Quinnen (laughs) and and company can can get after the passer a little bit. So, you know, that's going to be a big part of the football game, his health. And and as we've seen and, like, we played clips on Tuesday morning, you know – He's not willing to stand in there in the pocket and read plays right now. It's If the first guy's not wide open, it's look at the rush and let me run around. And, oh, we showed a few plays on Tuesday morning where I remember I just was like, the pocket was perfect. Why are we leaving? What are we doing? Just stay there. So, uh, you know, that that's another reason to think, like, the hamstring thing is, a you know, an issue there. But, yeah, I, I feel bad for – I feel bad for Nathaniel Hackett. I'm not going to lie. I do. You know, one, I don't think all these problems are his. I think Russell Wilson is by far the number one problem with the Broncos right now. The offensive line is not great. I understand that. But, you know, it, it is Russell Wilson. And then I think when you add on the expectations of the last two years of like, oh, Brady went to a new team and won a Super Bowl. Stafford went to a new team and won a Super Bowl. That has been led to, and then the week one, you know, 46-yard 46 46 line left hash thing has led to this snowball of, like, we're all questioning Nathaniel Hackett right now, too. Well, and I think the failure of Nathaniel Hackett is that he is not using the things that work for Russell Wilson in Seattle, unless those things just won't work anymore. That would be the ultimate irony here. If Russell Wilson finally got everything he wanted, where he's in a situation where the offense is going to go through him, be built around him, and he just can't do it anymore that the time to do it was the last 10 years when he was in Seattle and they refused to do it. He's finally with a team that will do it, and he can't do it. If that's the case, that, I believe, would accurately describe I think irony. so. You're right. It would be ironic. It, yes, yes. And, you know, I think some of these flaws have always been there with Russell Wilson, and maybe we swept him under the rug a little bit just because, oh, yeah, oh, wait, he got out of the pocket and he still did make a play. So what? But I, I think you're, what you're saying is fair. I mean, and I don't think he can move as well as he used to. You know, you know, the, the, you know it's like you bring up with the Parcells and the Lawrence Taylor thing. My dad always says a similar thing. You know, one thing you can guarantee when there's a quarterback in football, every year you're going to get slower and the defense is going to get faster because it's just, the young guys are still coming in and you're not getting younger. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now, let alone struggles of – digesting the offense, the pressure of the whole situation. It's it's the first time we're seeing, I think, Russell Wilson, you know, melt under the spotlight a little bit here in the, in the first time of his career. And I, I thought I saw it last year that he didn't right. have the same yes, mobility. Yes, we talked about it. You're didn't right. Didn't have the same acceleration. Yes. And I think now he's afraid to trust it because it's not like it used to be. I mean, th- this is the – we talked about – his demeanor once he has the ball. And I feel like he's just got this blender of thoughts every time he's got the ball, but he can't trust his legs. He's trying to erase all of the bad stuff in one play. He's feeling pressure to perform. I, I look, I do feel bad for the guy um, as bad as I can feel for somebody who has a $250 million contract. <laughs> and, and, and you know what, Chris, let me, let me say this while we're in the neighborhood, there's no way in hell they would have paid him now. There's, they'll never admit it. There's no way after this, for example, because I think one of the reasons they gave him the contract, there was an inevitability to it. We've given up all this stuff 
to trade for him. Of course, we're going to give him a new contract at some point. Well, I don't know. If they hadn't paid him and he had played like this, and if that continued through the end of the season, I'd like to think George Payton and the Broncos would have said, we're not going to compound our mistake by giving this guy a massive contract. Agreed. I don't think he would get it now. I don't think he would get it after the season. And and the Broncos would be in a position where they could escape this if it's just not going to work. So, um, I, again, I, I'm as, I'm as, uh, as sympathetic slash empathetic as I can be for a guy who has it made financially. That's the good news here. He got paid. The bad news for the Broncos is it's going to wreak havoc on their salary cap if they decide after this year or next year we just have to move on. Yeah, you're right. And I don't disagree with anything you're saying there. Uh, you know, it's. I think we were surprised that it happened as quickly as it did. Uh, that that did catch us, you know, caught me off guard a little bit. But I think you're right with the inevitability of just like, yeah, the optics of it. Wait, we got Russell Wilson. Everybody wanted Russell Wilson, and we gave away all these assets to get him. So it just puts pressure on a team to to make that move. But I'm sure right now they're they're sweating it out a little bit in that front office, going, "Oh my gosh." You know, and just just hoping that it turns around and that these are just growing pains and, you know, we're going through a, a new head coach and a quarterback who's in a new situation that he's never been, you know, a part of before and we just got to deal with it and they just got to hope for the best here because, like you are like you said, they're they're stuck with them at least for the next three, four years for sure, right? I mean, it's 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 definitely that. I'm telling you what, and, and look, I, I don't feel – I don't feel great saying this, but I don't feel bad saying it because this is the highest level of the sport, and everybody who signs up for it knows that this kind of accountability comes around. Lose to the Jets this week and either struggle on offense or lose to the Jaguars in London, I would fire Nathaniel Hackett. I would let E.J. Evero take over. I would make it all about defense and simplify the offense and go back to doing what they did in Seattle with Russell Wilson. And, oh, 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 what a shock. Let's copy the blueprint that worked in Seattle the first few years of Russell Wilson's career. Heavy on defense, simple offense. Maybe that's the way to do it. But I'd want to see if E.J. Evero could be the guy to lead that into 2023. That may be the solution. Go heavy on defense, simplify the offense, and never mind the fact that we're paying this guy all that money. I I, I, I hear what you're saying. I feel like when I watch film of them, they're doing this. They're 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 trying to do that. I do. I, I you know again. I think you saw last yes or Monday in the game. You know that it's it's a lot of throws out here. It's out here because that he won't throw it down here. So they've started to go. Damn, every play we'll just make it out here so you can see it. You know, and you feel comfortable about it. But even on some of those, he doesn't pull the trigger. You know, it, it, it's a number of plays every week. And, again, you know, you just think about the game itself, right? I, you know, there was more people open throughout that game. You know, it, it, and, and the, the game itself lended to, wait, the two big plays of the day were, you know, a busted coverage by J.C. Jackson where he moved in the pocket. And an, the, really the other two big throws of the day were the same thing. Move out of the pocket, do that. Oh, wait, I can see it. It's perfectly clear and – Boom, do that. And right now, he's just not playing quarterback good. And as you know, and as we talk about all the time, like at the end of the day, it's still about throws in and near and around the pocket. Yeah, okay, there's three or four splash plays outside the pocket every game. Boom, and you hope you can make something happen. But the majority of the game is still going to be, wait, I'm in this little area, and I got to slide around and make big-time throws no matter who's going to hit me or what it is. And it's at a low level right now for Russell Wilson. One last point before we take a break. There's another drama with the team as it relates to the utilization of Melvin Gordon. Three carries for eight yards. Images of him standing on the sideline looking a little salty. Here's all you need to know. Nathaniel Hackett said yesterday Melvin Gordon will start on Sunday against the Jets. And Melvin Gordon's reaction included saying, I started last week too. So what is it? it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who's on the field beyond the first drive or the first quarter. Let's go ahead and take a break. The best catches from week six as this Thursday edition of PFT Live presented by Google Pixel continues right after this. We have a heck of a challenge this week against the 49ers. 
Uh, one of not the best defense in the league. So as an offense, we have to know that we're going to have to take advantage of every day. Uh, we're going to have to practice great, uh, watch film great, uh, so we can put ourselves in the best position to have some success on the field. I mean, even looking back on that game and that team, still a great football team. That's a lot of it. That team is still there, and they're, they're, they've stayed together, and they've gotten better and better. Um, and so I understand it's going to be a challenge because I've played against them before and know how many great players they have on that defense. Patrick Mahomes talking about the 49ers defense, one of the games of the week. Matchup draft, any matchup, any units, players, coaches, etc. This is the spot where we get a little creative. Heavy preparation goes into this, Chris, as it does every week. You're up with round one. Well, I, I, I mean, I want to start right there in that football game. I do. And honestly, I'm going to go to the other side. It, it's more I want to see the, the Shanahan-Spagnolo you know, matchup. That's where I'm a little interested in here. You know, and the fact that, hey, we know Mahomes, the bright lights, we all want to see that. The, the, the 49ers defense is banged up. I mean, severely banged up. I got to think the Chiefs are going to score some points and do some things. To me, the pressure goes on to the 49ers offense. I know we don't know about Trent Williams, but, you know, the, the, that to me is where I look at it to go, you know, can third downs, got to be better on that if you're the 49ers. That's got to that's be in it. We got to score some touchdowns and some points in this football game. Spagnuolo is creative. We know the Chiefs' defense is pretty damn good. I mean, hey, they had, they had, the Bills had 17 points with a minute and 10 seconds left in the game. That was a win, despite you know Allen made the throw to win it. That was good defense. It was a good defensive game plan. He's creative. Even in that Super Bowl win, he gave Shanahan and company some issues. So I'm, I, I look at the game and go, Shanahan and the offense are going to have to really play above and beyond for them to win this football game, and I'm, I'm interested in that matchup. I'm going to throw a little curveball here. This doesn't jump out as a sexy game by any means, but the Lions, the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Lions have had two weeks to get ready. Jared Goff created some buzz early in the year to make people think maybe he's not just 2022 and done in Detroit, that maybe he could actually be the guy beyond this season. And when they traded for him, the thinking was they'll keep him for a year or two and then they'll move on to whoever their quarterback is going to be under Dan Campbell. This is the test. If Jared Goff is going to have any chance at being the quarterback beyond this year, Jared Goff against that Cowboys defense, and I'll say the whole defense, you've had two weeks to get ready. What can you do to solve the Dallas defense? Can you move the ball like you did the first three weeks, or is it going to be like it was against New England Patriots? There's a middle ground that maybe he can achieve or not, or maybe he can throw it extremely well and prove to the Lions organization he's the guy who should be the quarterback beyond this year. But I think there is so much riding on this game for Jared Goff. Again, two weeks to get ready, great defense. You're either the guy that they're going to keep beyond this year or you're not. Based on the Patriots game, you're not. I think this is his last chance to prove that he is. I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, I lean towards not. I, I do. I mean, that, that's just the way I feel. I mean, I, I just don't think Jared Goff is a top-end starter. And, you know, their offense has got big-time talent. But he's played better than I expected to what you're saying. But the Patriots game was bad, and we'll, we'll see. You're right. This is, these are the kind of games. Because the one thing you can count on is Dallas is going to give you some, you know, they're going to challenge you. They're not afraid to play man-to-man. You know, you're going to have some opportunities to go, oh, well, all right, this is tight, but I, gotta, I can throw this in there for a 15, 20-yard game. You know, and that's something I've always questioned about him. I do think this is a big spotlight game for him. You know, not, not even if they don't win. If he just still plays well and they make plays in the passing game, it bodes well for his future in Detroit. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers versus the, uh, the commander's front four, the commander's defense. I mean, the commander's defense, as we saw the other night, it's, it's pretty damn good. And they had a long week here. And their front four is real. It's better than the Jets' front four. So that's where I, I'm just interested to see what Green Bay brings to the table. How much simpler are we going to get on the offensive side of the ball? Are we going to throw the ball minus 10 yards every play now? Or is that, is that how we're going to get simple? We were, we were throwing it minus one yard. Now we're going to go minus 10-yard throws. I don't know what the hell they're talking about in Green Bay. So I'm just interested to see that. I am. To see their approach and see what they do to a, a defense that statistically – is is or a defense that's better than what its statistics would say and they pro some problems especially with a struggling Packers offensive line right now same idea for me we've already had the conversation Tom Brady versus the Panthers front four 
Will he look again like a guy who doesn't want to be there? Yeah. Will the spirit be willing but the flesh be weak? Will he take some hits? He's not injured. He had the right shoulder and the right ring finger. Those are clear. He fully participated in practice on Wednesday, even though, remember, he's supposed to have Wednesdays off. He's been working on Wednesdays. He's going to be dialed in. There's no former team owner wedding this Friday night that will keep him away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he'll be dialed in. The question is, can he get it done even when he is at maximum focus? We're at maximum time. We'll take a break and do round three of the matchup draft for week seven when PFT Live continues right after this. Matchup draft for week seven. Already week seven, already round three. Chris, what do you have? For I'm going to go to the Seahawks and the Chargers game and go Kenneth Walker versus the Chargers run defense. One, hey, Geno, the Seahawks, they've all exceeded our expectations already. Chargers, we know it's not the best run defense in football. It's certainly not. It's one of the surprising things to me the other night. I mean, with the Melvin Gordon lack of runs from Denver, I, I don't understand that. Everybody runs the ball in the Chargers, and the Broncos have been pretty good at running the ball. And the reason I say this is really more about this than anything. Kenneth Walker is awesome. Kenneth Walker is already one of the best NFL running backs in the game. No doubt about it. He is in the he is in the conversation for me with Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb. He's a superstar, and we've seen that in two games. The, the times there's not even holes, and he's still running for 60, 70 yards around the edge. Last week, it was some unreal runs. So I, I'm excited to kind of see that game in general and see what he can do against that D. Jets fans think they have the offensive and defensive rookies of the year in Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner. The Seahawks have an argument with Ken Walker, and – Tariq Woolen, because my last one comes from that same game. I want to see Woolen against Mike Williams, six foot four inch defensive player of the week. And if the Chargers are going to win this game, if they're going to match the Seahawks in yards and points, they got to throw the ball to Mike Williams. Good luck if Woolen hasn't blanketed. He looks real. That to me is going to go a long way toward determining the game. Fifth round pick. Fifth round pick. How's he end up in round five? He ran a four two six. He's six four. How did he end up in round five, Chris? Well, I think it's you know it, it's always a little bit of the competition they played. You know, you worry about guys like that when they're that long. Can they really like you know change directions in a quick enough hurry and all that type of stuff? I think that's what kind of led to that. You saw the potential, but I think there were some things that scared people. But they shouldn't be anymore. Like you said, he's he's pretty real. He's the real deal. All right, we are out of time. We have the Joint Megapix podcast coming up later today. You'll see it eventually on the NFL and NBC YouTube page and elsewhere. We'll see you then. Have a great Thursday. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.